Please listen carefully. Welcome in, everyone. Got another episode of the Heard It Here Sports Podcast for you. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Heard. Today, doing the second part of uh, the trade season podcast that I started uh, a few days ago. Um, that December 15th date a couple of weeks ago marked the unofficial opening of trade season. Uh, the trade deadline will be February 9th, maybe February 6th. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but at, on that date, teams will no longer be able to trade until the end of their season, which means uh, for teams that don't make the playoffs, the reg- end of the regular season, and for any team that makes the playoffs, the end of their playoff stint. Um, just an interesting little tidbit there. Um so I, I, in the last episode, I went over all the, all the teams I thought, uh, first of all, I hit on all the teams I thought were virtually just out of the trade discussions, um, teams that I thought were unlikely to make a move. Uh, and then a couple, uh, sorry, I believe it was not, not a couple, it was seven teams that I believe are actively listening on trade calls, um, so I, the way I did this, by the way, I explained all of this in the last podcast, but I, I just sort of went through, wrote the 30 teams down, um, and one by one gave them a score of 0 to 17 based on how likely I thought they were to make a trade. Uh, I just sort of, you know, over over the course of, I don't know, I think it was a day or two, I just sort of, you know, would go back to the notebook and get in the mindset of the team and try to, you know, just, just do like... Um, a glossary sort of thought experiment into what what they might be thinking of the deadline. So, so um, I gave there, there there was maybe fifteen, maybe twenty teams, probably more like fifteen um, that I I did not believe were going to be um, actively participating in the trade discussions. You know, m- maybe maybe someone pushes their way in because they have a, just a deal they have to get done um, and one of these teams relinquishes. But I, I don't expect them to be active on trade calls. Then I had the seven that I went over last podcast that I think are going to be, as I, as I keep putting it, actively listening. Um, I, I think they are interested in making a trade if the right deal um, is to show itself. I think they have incentive to make a trade. However, there are certainly no guarantees. Um, And the biggest distinction I I ended up coming away with here is I think most of these teams are not going to be actively making trade calls. Um, Maybe one or two that they think are going to be very favorable to their team, but I do not believe they're trying to make... um, They're not going to go out and make some marginal trade. Um you know, trading rotation guys at, at similar value. I just don't think they're interested in that. Uh, those seven teams, uh, for reference, that was the Boston Celtics, the Detroit Pistons, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the New York Knicks, the Atlanta Hawks, the Phoenix Suns, and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So that left, uh, let's see, 
that left 11 teams that I considered somewhat likely, uh, or uh, seven, 11 teams that I consider active participants in the trade market beyond um, like that last stage I considered active listening. This is beyond that. I, I believe they are actively engaging in the trade market. Um, I guess I'll just go in order top to bottom, no particular order other than this last team. So I have the 76ers, the Lakers, uh, the Trailblazers, the Clippers, the Pelicans, the Nuggets, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Jazz, the Raptors, and then the last team was the Heat. Um, the reason I said they were um, in a specific order, I actually had them, when I did my 0 through 7 ranking, uh, I had them as a 4, which you think, yeah, it's like a it's like an average number. I, I had 7 teams at a 3. Well, I only had 1 team at a 4. That was, that was it, that, and that was Miami. Um, all those other teams that I listed before, I had between 5 and 7. Um, the 76ers were my only 7, but I, I, even after going through it, I, I don't even know if I would consider them a 7. Uh, um, I, I think all those teams are much more bunched together than Miami, who I see as a clear sort of outlier. It, it, it's, it's, so it's strange, and I think it's worth discussing. Um, not strange, peculiar. Peculiar, you know? It, it, it piqued my interest. Um, why did I have them for an average number, somewhere right in the middle, and have no other team there? I, I figured it must have been... There, there was some reason I did it. This wasn't some arbitrary... Uh, well, okay, to be fair, it was an arbitrary number I put, but it's not like I was putting 0 to 100. It was 0 to 7 for... 30 teams. I mean, the odds that I would go and only assign one four, I mean, I'm human. I, I, I would just assume, due to random chance, I would put at least two fours, you know, and mo more likely it would be, you know, four or five or several of them. Um, given that I had seven threes, I think, you know, I ain't no st statistician, but I believe if you ran the numbers, um, it might be a little bit peculiar that there was only one four. Y'all can run the numbers on that one though. So so I, I thought about, you know, for a while, what is it about this Miami team that that really I guess struck a chord with me, not in a in a positive or negative sense, but a chord that I think they're right smack dab in the middle. I mean that's that's clearly indicative of something, uh, and I think first of all, I, I, I certainly considered the Pat Riley factor. Um, I think having Pat Riley uh, as the GM, he's a guy. Obviously, everyone knows about Pat Riley if you're a basketball fan. He's he's basketball. Uh, he's basketball royalty. I mean, he's you know contributed to some of the most impressive dynasties of all time. Obviously, those uh, Showtime Lakers. Uh, teams where he was the coach and you know more recently the Miami LeBron teams uh, that he sort of orchestrated as the front office uh, executive um, I, I, I certainly 
think so when we think about Popovich, I think we strongly consider the fact that the Spurs are not going to rebuild. Uh, last year, this was a thing. Oh, just get rid of LaMarcus. He's unhappy. I, th- I think even maybe two years ago, we were starting to say, you know, trade LaMarcus, whatever. Even before they got uh, shipped off Kawhi. I-, I think it probably heated up more when they shipped off Kawhi. You know, I might have to go back and, and think about that because it, it, it may have actually been... Uh, LaMarcus may have been getting speculated... Uh, there may have been LaMarcus trade speculations for like three years now at this point. Um, just people saying he he's... he's Whatever. He's too old. I think the thing is, um, at least those of us that are more keen to consider the human aspect and the to be frank, the real world, the reality of the situation. Um, I think you realize Greg Popovich has more power in the Spurs front office than any head coach in any front office in the NBA. And he does not want to tank because uh, he's probably going to retire soon. I do not believe he is interested in tanking at this point or, frankly, any point in his uh, coaching tenure. I just I I I don't see it happening now. Um, I I digress though. The point of the Popovich uh, digression <laughs> was I I see Pat Riley in a similar view. Um, I I think the idea that Pat Riley is, you know, I mean he's getting up there in years. He is someone that has always won. He's always. Show he he's he's someone that always has the touch right, he's he's so Popovich, the the reason you don't tank with him is like he's, come on man, if you give him like, a couple lug wrenches and and like a piece of wood he'll turn that into a playoff team, like he'll get forty five wins out of that. I mean it's it's Pop, I think you think you 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 can say a similar thing for Miami. I mean it's Pat Riley like he's gonna bring in you know, at least a couple free agents, and he's going to find you a Tyler Hero in the draft. He's going to get you at least one Duncan Robinson every couple of years. Like, he's just, he's Pat Riley. And, like, when he, you know, when you sit down in the room and and it's just, you know, you and him, he's he's very persuasive. Um, I, I just, I think, I think Pat Riley is a guy that wants to win. Um, I think as long as he is there as the, Head lead decision maker for the Miami Heat. His main goal is to win championships as soon as possible, or at least compete for championships as soon as possible. I believe that's obviously what the Jimmy Butler acquisition was. Um, and he has done, uh, he and I'm sure his staff, I, I don't really know any of the names down there, but you have to imagine his staff, just given how long um, he's been doing this, has, has been... Uh, pretty impressive as well. They have put together such a phenomenal roster to fit around Jimmy Butler, uh, but not um, actually. You know, I I, I want to rephrase that. So I think the I think I may, may have talked about this last podcast, or maybe it was the uh, the Christmas Day uh, bonanza. But the Heat have they, they have not uh, th- their team is very it has come together organically. Um, they, I, I sort of talked about how the, they went from LeBron leaving to signing Chris Box, Chris Bosch to the max contract to his blood clots, 
to Dion Waiters' explosion, to signing Dion Waiters and Kelly Olenek and James Johnson in the 17 free agency, um, even you know the stuff like picking up Kendrick Nunn at the last the end of uh, last year. None of this stuff was pre-planned around Jimmy Butler. It was just making smart, shrewd basketball decisions. Uh, okay. Mostly smart, shrewd basketball decisions. We'll uh, exclude the 2017 free agency uh, in that discussion. Um, but I mean, I, you know, everyone always harps on that, and I, I harp on it, and I joke about it, but this team is really good. Bam Adebayo might be, like, a top 20 player. He might be, you know, he might be fantastic. Um, I, I think at this point it's obvious he's going to be an impact starter. He might be, like, a top one of your three best players on a title team. Let's just put it at that. Um, he, he just, he looks phenomenal. And he's just, he's such a complete basketball player. And that's what you look for in guys where it's just like, there's, there's the, what's his ceiling? There is no ceiling. If you're a pure basketball player and you're as physically gifted as someone like he is, like there is no ceiling. Um, the ceiling is the amount of time that there is, you know, in the day. That's, that's, that's pretty much the only limiting factor. If you could go, you know, Naruto, like with Chamber, stick himself in there and do like a thousand years worth of training in an hour, he would be, he would be really good. Uh, he would be really good. I, I think that's the conclusion we can come away with there. Uh, no, no, but I mean, I, I mean, obviously he's, he's not the uh, same sort of uh, player as Pascal Siakam, but I think that's sort of the most recent obviously he was most improved player last year that's that's our most recent example of a guy sort of coming out of nowhere with the skill development I mean Bam honestly showed probably uh, I, that's not fair to say I I never saw uh, Pascal Siakam in college I never saw him until he was you know really good last year probably um but I I I would imagine Bam may have flashed a little bit more, at least the passing vision uh, at Kentucky. Uh, and to be fair, Pascal is certainly more of a dribble drive, you know, attack the basket kind of guy. We'll see if that's something Bam develops. I mean, that that's just a whole that's 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 just a whole other can of worms. But um, I, I mean, I'm sort of rambling on Bam, but he probably deserves it. He's just. So good, so good. Hey, he's such a versatile star too. I talked about that. Um, the the whole. I think that was definitely on the NBA Bonanza podcast. Talking about the uh, idea of a versatile star, of Paul George, of Clay Thompson. If you can be a primary star, but you can be a fantastic complementary star too. And I don't know if Bam can be a first star, but he sure can be a complementary star to pretty much anybody. To pretty much anybody, and that's that's the key point. You bring Russell Westbrook in, Bam fits great with him. You want James Harden to run your team, put Bam beside him. That works. You have LeBron James, Bam is a great partner for LeBron James. There's no superstar that doesn't fit with uh, Bam Adebayo. You, put, put, put Carl Anthony Towns with Bam Adebayo, and I bet it worked well. I bet that would work well. I bet it would. Um, I, again, I digress. Uh... On a very righteous point, but I do digress. Um, 
I, I would like to uh, go ahead and actually get into this. So uh, just last point, you know, just the guys, uh, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, all, all these guys, um, Kendrick Nunn, like they, they are complimentary players that would have fit around any star. And I believe that's the beauty of what Pat Riley created in Miami. He was not creating a system uh, for a particular guy. He was creating a system for whoever decided they wanted to come and win in Miami. And that's pretty incredible, you know? And I think the system was, well, if Justice Winslow turns into that guy, awesome. We already have him. He's our guy. He fits into it well. Oh, if we have to go Jimmy, get, get Jimmy Butler, that's what we'll do. Uh, again, I, I've spent too much time on that already. Let's go ahead and move in to trade discussions. Uh, I got a few pages of notes in front of me. Got the trade machine pulled up. First team I want to start with, um, I mentioned that they were the only team I ranked with a 7, meaning I expect uh, for sure a trade to be made. Um, Philly. So I think the names you're looking at there. Um, so obviously their top few guys, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Joel Embiid, Josh Richardson, Ben Simmons. You don't expect any of them to be traded, uh, at, at least in the season that that would be pretty baffling um I, I i think that would be pretty baffling i think this is the sort of team you uh, let play out for a year to be to be certain i mean this could be one of the all-time nba defenses it, it would be it'd be a grave mistake to break it up um and I, I i don't even think that's something that's going to cross their minds um i i think the names you want to look at you got Mike Scott, uh, who is a, a solid contributor for them off the bench. And by solid contributor, I mean he's like one of the only players they have on the bench. So, you know, sometimes he does good because nobody else is... He's given a lot of opportunities off of their bench, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I, I am I am certainly Mike Scott Hive, don't get me wrong. I'm all, all, all about Mike Scott, but... Um, I think his $4.7 million is, if not fair value, um, maybe even slightly uh, a little high. Maybe he's more like a 3.5 mil. I, I mean, that's splitting hairs. Um, point is, I think if you uh, are to lose Mike Scott, you can probably recover. Although, I mean, it, again, I think I, I think I talked about in the... I don't know if this was something I was writing down in my notes or if it's something I talked about, but the idea of getting a marginal return versus a pure return, the idea that, you know, uh, I definitely talked about this in the last podcast. So um, just the idea if you, uh, I, just to put, you know, arbitrary numbers on it, if you give up foreign value but get back six versus just getting foreign value, well, it's a lot more valuable to just get the value. As, even though you're getting more gross value in the uh, previous example, just th this is the idea that if you could, I think I think most teams, you know. So let's just look. <laughs> I have Memphis pulled up on the other side of this. Let's see what their dead salary is. Salary that you could trade, and it's like even for a team like Memphis, there's no impact to their rotation. Solomon Hill, again, I haven't watched much Memphis. I don't believe they are uh, gonna miss. Solomon Hill, if they have to move on from him. Josh Jackson, literally in the G League. Uh, I don't know. Mario Goodrich, they actually kind of need. 
Um, he's been solid for them. Again, though, those are just two guys. Solomon Hill makes like 12.7. Um, Josh Jackson makes 7 million. The thing is, everyone has a couple of these guys that are, you know, pretty well paid and just absolutely no use to the rotation. Sixers have none of those guys. Cause like, you know, I probably traded them all away or, or, or I, honestly, they never really signed any of those deals in the first place. I, I guess, um, oh my God, the, the, Jesus, I can't think of his name now. The point guard that was on the Sixers that they got included in the uh, Jimmy Buckets trade. The, the, he was making like nine mil a year. I can't think of his name um, because I am a bad person. So, no, I got to look it up. I got to look it up. Jared Bayless. It's Jared Bayless. Uh, I definitely didn't just pause this podcast to look it up. Uh, no disrespect meant to Jared Bayless, though some may have uh, some may have just transpired accidentally. Let's let's move on though. So uh, Mike Scott, four point seven six million uh, this year. He's got two years left on his deal. I don't I don't actually I have no idea if he's got an option or anything. Uh, let's see let's see early bird ride. Shout out to uh, earlybirdrides.com uh, run by Jeff Siegel. I, I this this is this. Uh, other than basketballinsiders.com, Steve Kyler's site, uh, this this might be my other favorite cap site. It's it's I think it's run off like an Excel sheet, and I mean it's just so easy to navigate. That the colors are so color scheme, which I know that's something just kind of basic for a uh, for a cap sheet, but the color scheme is just it, it's it's perfect, and uh, I, I, that's the sort of stuff I notice. So shout out early bird rights. Um, Mike Scott does not have an option next year, though. He's got a two-year deal, uh, 4.76 this year, 5 mil next year. So they got Mike Scott. Um, the other big, juicy name you always hear um, in various trade discussions posted online is Zaire Smith. Zaire Smith was the number 16 overall pick in the 2018 draft. Uh, freshman out of Texas Tech. He was a guy not even ranked in the top 100 as a high school senior uh, in the recruiting rankings. Worked his way up in his first year at Texas Tech into uh, almost a lottery pick. Uh, it's a very impressive guy. He's got one of the most incredibly explosive functional leaps you uh, will ever see from a guy, especially his size. I, I think he's maybe only 6'4", maybe 6'5". Um Played power forward in college, though. So he is a guy, um, he, he's sort of been forgotten about. He, he suffered last year from a, a very, a, an awful uh, reaction, I believe, due to a peanut allergy. Uh, was was out for months. Uh, lost, I, I believe, something like 30 pounds of weight. Um, I, I think their reports were that he, was, he certainly was close to death at, at points. Um, so very, you know, scary thing there. Uh, and I think he has certainly fallen out of, uh, uh, out of memory just because there's so many players on the 76ers team that we are talking about, you know, with these starting five, of course. Um, and then Matisse Thibault's, uh, sort of come, I don't know. I don't know what the word I'm going for there is, um, his sort of ascendance this year, uh, as, as a rookie, I think Zaire Smith has has more value than we might think, though. I think just um, he's, he's 
a really interesting talent. He's a really interesting talent. I think he's a legitimate uh, trade chip. So the last couple of guys that would be worth uh, mentioning, they've got James Innes making $1.88 million. I, these are probably all minimum deals, I would assume. I would have to look up, you know, both their age and the um, the the minimum uh, per year to, to confirm that, but it seems <laughs> pretty suspect, to say the least. Uh, James Ennis making $1.88 million, uh, with a player option next year for $2.1. Uh, Jonah Bolden uh, has a $1.7 million deal this year with a non-guaranteed $1.76 million uh, the next two years. Kylo Quinn, Raul Neto, and Furknan Korkmaz, uh, they all have on, sorry, also Trey Burke, they have at $1.62 million, uh, which that that may actually be the uh, the, tr- the true minimum for those, those guys' age range. Uh, maybe James Ennis is making a little extra. Because I don't think he would be older than those guys. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm mistaken. Um, but those guys, it looks like uh, Korkmaz maybe has a non-guaranteed next year as well. Other than that, though, they're all just uh, one years. Oh, sorry. They also have uh, the bottom of the cap sheet. They have Shake Milton. Uh, Shake Milton uh, out of SMU. He's got he's being paid $1.4 million this year. Uh, and then he's got a $1.7, $1.8 the next two years. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, sorry, he's actually got three years out after this one. I believe those are at least the last two are team options or, or maybe non guarantees. Uh, it's a series string of non guarantees or team options. So, um, obviously not the most appealing assets in the world. Uh, and the problem is, um, I mean, the guys I mentioned, Mike Scott, well, they need Mike Scott. I mean, he plays like 20 minutes a game for him. Uh, same with Furknon Korkmaz, same with James Ennis. Those guys all played something like 20 minutes a game for this team. I, that's that's not really production they are uh, going to be able to sacrifice. You know, and even, I mean, even uh, I think Trey Burke they signed uh, later in the season, and, and uh, obviously Raul Neto, those guys are a little, um, a little superfluous, but... <laughs> I mean, the thing is, the reason they had to pick up Trey Burke is because Raul Neto was injured, uh, and he was, you know, providing a very critical role as their backup point guard. I mean, you know, Korkmaz has, has looked pretty great this year in terms of, you know, what, what he was getting his, uh, I believe, his third-year rookie option declined. Um, he's looked pretty awesome this year. He just has, he's not a ball handler. I mean, uh, unless you're going to start trying to bring off Shake Milton off the bench as a, as a point guard, which is uh, somewhat ambitious for a title contender, even even as your backup point guard, um, I think you need probably both Trey Burke and Raul Neto. Um, in terms of if you wanted to be comfortable about your point guard rotation going into the playoffs, I mean, if either of those guys gets hurt, uh, sorry, if you get rid of either, if you trade either of those guys in a deal, and then either of them get hurt, you're what are you gonna do? Is is Josh Richardson your backup point guard? Is is Shane Milton your backup point guard? Is it Ferknon Korkmaz? I mean, it's 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 really tough. Um, and I I just I I, <laughs> I know I've been uh, rambling in a lot of these podcasts. I I hope you all I hope you all sort of enjoy that. I I feel like that's more. Uh, it feels more natural for me. It feels like I'm providing more insight that way. 
um, I, you know, I just enjoy it more, sort of going off on tangents and d uh, digging into stuff. But I, I think the point I'm trying to make here is that I think these Sixers are, um, the, like I said, they are making moves on the margin. Any upgrade they're making is a marginal upgrade because they are not going to be, they don't have anyone that's just sitting around on the roster. Uh, they don't have any dead salary to spend. They don't have any dead uh, um Dead, dead roster slots. It, they just don't. They don't. Not this year. Um, they, they've they burnt through all of those the last couple of years. So I guess we can talk about some actual deals the Sixers might want to make. Um, a couple of notes I took. I think uh, what's kind of nice for the Sixers, uh, your closing five is pretty clearly set. Uh, I, I don't even think you could dream of getting a player that would supplant any of those five guys in the closing lineup. Uh, so you can comfortably just search for a guy that would be the best possible fit for your bench, which I think that's that's actually helpful to have that uh, in your mind going into these trade, um, you know, into the research on trades you could possibly make. Uh, um I think as far as what kind of player they would probably... So I think another note, um, they I've mentioned these names they have. They're probably making one trade, at least. So they only have the capacity to make one significant trade. Um, it's possible they can make multiple trades on the margins. They can make one significant trade, though. Um, if you add up... So if you add up Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, and I just took Jonah Bolden, I think he's probably... Um, probably a reasonable candidate. They're, they're all in the same salary range, though. You, if you take all their salaries together, that's about $9.2 million. Uh, bump up the, the 120% that you can fit in a trade, and Philly can bring back about $11.06 in salary with those three players. Uh, obviously, that's your one move, but, I mean, that's, you know, that's a pretty good move. Um, you, you can get a legitimate player at $11 million dollars so, that um, last comment though I had, uh, they're probably looking for you. You got to find someone that can handle the ball, um, ideally, or or if you can't, then what you're going to look for is some sort of shooter. Uh, and um, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and jump into a couple of the names. I think that's probably the best way to do it. So. I thought, and this is not something I have seen floated around yet. Maybe I just have missed it. I thought one of the, and again, this is why I had the Memphis Grizzlies pulled up on the trade machine. I thought a trade uh, for Tyus Jones made a lot of sense for this Philadelphia 76ers team. Um, I, I think if the Sixers are going to do that, they're going to have to send back either Raul Neto or Trey Burke. Uh, as the Grizzlies don't really have another backup point guard other than Tyus Jones, he is certainly a, 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 a big, uh, not a big, you know, not, not a massive part, but a, a, a pretty, a, he's, he's in their rotation. He plays minutes for their team. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> no, no, but that, I mean, maybe they want to give some more of the responsibility to Grayson Allen. Uh, maybe they want to try DeAnthony Melton as a point guard more instead of just having him as a, uh, as an off-ball guy, but the, I think you probably want to, and, and you know, if you're Memphis, you're probably pretty excited to get back a 
a, a, a one of these veteran guys. I think if you get Ronald Neto and he plays 50 games uh, the rest of the season and can play 20 minutes a game for you as your backup point guard, like that's awesome. That's awesome if you're Memphis. Uh, that's exactly what someone like Jaron Jackson Jr. needs. Um, obviously, because playing with John Morant is fantastic, and uh, it, it's probably exuberant. You know, it's probably exhilarating. Um, but I, I think there's something comforting about playing with a good, solid veteran point guard. They can just get you the ball when you know you deserve it. Um, so, Tyus Jones... Uh, he makes 8.4, sorry, he makes, uh, <laughs> sorry, I had to pause there for a second. Um, according to the uh, ESPN trade machine, he makes like 9.2 million. Uh, according to basketball references, uh, NBA player contracts, he makes 8.4 million. I would imagine that discrepancy is due to some sort of uh, likely or unlikely incentives in the contract. I'm just going to go with the trade machine tells me because I can just hit try this trade and it gives me either a green box or a red box and I like simplicity. So uh, <laughs> so the you can, you can uh, definitely fit uh, Tyus Jones for Mike Scott, Zaire Smith and uh, Raul Neto. Um, that, that is that that deal definitely works for Tyus Jones. Uh, so Philly does have, so Philly's got uh, a, a lottery-protected first uh, out to Brooklyn this year. Um, it looks like that may have come in the in the Tobias Harris trade. I think I think that's what happened. Uh, so most likely, <laughs> barring a catastrophe, the 76ers will be sending that pick to the. Uh, <laughs> what did I just say uh, they'll be sending it to the Nets this year, um, and after that. From 21 to 26, the 76ers have all their first-round picks. Uh, so that's pretty big. I, I, I actually, I thought they may have a couple still outstanding um, past this, you know, just this upcoming requirement. But they, they're clean. Um, they've got all their second-rounders, it looks like. I, I think, um, uh, so, so they've got two marked on the uh, the early bird right site because theoretically if, the, if Philadelphia... Um, does not make the playoffs the next three years and is in the lottery, then they will have to give up their 23 and 24 second rounders. However, I do not foresee that. Um, I, I do not expect that to happen. So most likely, Philadelphia is going to have all their second rounders. Um, actually, that's going to be after... Uh, they, so they actually don't have their 21 and 22 second rounders, but after, uh, after that, they'll have all of them. And they do have their second rounder this upcoming year. So... That's actually pretty... So I think this is the sort of team that's going to trade those picks. Um, I think we see the LA, both the LA teams already uh, maxed out their draft capital going for uh, superstars, uh, Anthony Davis and uh, Paul George, obviously. They just, you know, they, they sold as much... They, they, they gave up as much draft capital as possible. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um the 76ers probably aren't making any Anthony Davis-level trades. However, I could certainly see them giving up a first-rounder this year. They could give up two if the right trade was to appear. Um, and the the reason I was looking at these picks sort of segues in to the segment I like to call Bring Back the Sixers. Our first contestant... Bob Covington, uh, 
traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves as part of the Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, it was it was him, Darius Saric, Jared Bayless, uh, I, I remember, uh, and Justin Patton, um, as well as I would imagine some uh, at least one pick. I gotta imagine. I have no idea actually. I I, my, I hope they sent a pick or two. Golly, um, in exchange for Jimmy Butler. Uh, so I think it's pretty obvious why the 76ers would want Robert Covington uh, in a deal. He's making $11.3 million, uh, and he's under contract for two more years after this season. So obviously, fantastic asset, but more than the asset, he's just a really, really good player uh, that fits very well around other really, really good players. So... It really is a shame that the 76ers had him for all those years of mediocrity, had him for a year and a, some change on a really good team, and then shipped him off. Because, I mean, he's clearly a guy that, that he, he seems to be a guy that will thrive on a good team. Maybe if you, if you try to put him on LeBron, he's going to get exposed. If you try to put him on Kawhi, he's going to get exposed. But as long as, as I, that's what I'm saying, if he's your fourth fifth probably you probably your fifth best player on a title team you're golden you're golden and that's the beauty of the 11.3 million dollar contract and that's why it's so fetishized is because well if your fifth best player makes 25 million uh or if you're the sixers and, and your fifth best player who now uh to be fair uh, josh richardson might be their fifth best player and is making 10 million but tobias harris uh, it, it, who I think a lot of people may at least coming into the season have considered their fifth best player. Uh, he makes $32.7 million. Well, it's, it, it's a little bit harder to uh, to sustain your top few guys, your superstars, if your fifth best player makes superstar money. So that's the beauty of the Bob Covington deal. Um, unfortunately, I'm a little dubious that uh, Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, and Jonah Bolden is going to get uh, you Bob Covington. I think uh, I, I talked about the Timberwolves in the last podcast. I don't think they're looking just for some lottery tickets or some, you know, just sort of whatever to, to get, you know, a shot in the dark at some talent. I think if they're going to make a trade, they either want a legit, a legit, uh, hyped you know a, a real I, I, okay I, I don't want to say this the wrong way not a, not a centerpiece but a guy that can be sold um in the media as a real blue chip kind of talent like a yeah we gave up on robert covington we we sold but look at what we got you know and i think zaire smith should fit that criteria in terms of like he he's a he's an exciting young player to get back. He's more than just a lottery ticket. Like he is um, that that is selling him short to be to be sure. At the same time though, he's he's not a he's not a hot commodity. That that's what I that's what I was looking for. He's not you know a hot ticket item. He's not. He's not Michael Porter Jr. Uh, this summer coming, off of all that hype in the preseason. He's not. Um, he's not. Terry Rozier coming off of the uh, the 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 um, the seventeen playoffs where Kyrie got maybe it was the eighteen playoffs where Kyrie got injured and uh, he was starting point guard. He's just not a he's not a hot ticket commodity right now. Uh, I mean, if I was the Timberwolves, maybe I'd consider it. 
um, if you do Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, Jonah Bolden, and the 76ers, you know, 2023 20, first round pick. I think the thing is, um, for the Timberwolves, well, what are you what are you trying to get out of that pick? Uh, there is either you get, so I guess they would not be able to trade their 21 pick. Um, actually, I don't know if they'd be able to trade their 21 or 22 pick uh, just because it's possible that the um, it's possible that they were to make the lottery this year and that the protection would slide over, or the protection would um, force the pick to not not convey this year and the protection would slide to next year, which if you trade next year's pick before that decision is made, then it's possible you traded a pick that you actually have to to, to convey to another team, uh, which would not be good. That that would be a that would be bad. So instead you are uh, prohibited from trading those picks. So they would have to go out uh, to 2023 uh, or beyond, which, to be honest, I was going to say, that might be more enticing. It, it might be... Um, I don't know. I, I think if you can get the 2020 lottery-protected pick, if you can just get the you know 22nd pick in this upcoming draft, you know you're going to get it now. You're going to get it now, and you are going to get to make that pick. Yeah, maybe you just go for it. But maybe um, maybe what you do instead, you say, hey, 76ers, we get it. You can't, uh, you know, especially in this situation, you can't trade your 2021 first-round pick. We don't want it. We'll take your 2025 or 2026 first-round pick, top four protected. This is this is what the Memphis Grizzlies did against the uh, uh, <laughs> against uh, um, in their transaction the Andre Iguodala deal from the Warriors. The Warriors sent Andre Iguodala to the Grizzlies um, and attached to take his salary uh, a top four protected pick uh, to to convey in twenty twenty four. That that's that could be incredibly valuable. Um, imagine if this year the Warriors. So imagine if six years ago, the Warriors traded a pick exactly like that that happened to convey this year. You know what would have happened? There would have been a real chance they would have conveyed the number five overall pick. There's a very real chance you could have gotten that asset. And I mean, I think even if you were looking at the Warriors six years ago, I mean, you know Steph Curry is an amazing player at that point. I think you start to know Clay Tom. I, I think that was like maybe the first or second year the Splash Bros were a real big thing. You know, and once the Splash Bros were big, like you you know the, the Warriors were going to be good for the next several years. We didn't know they were going to be that good. We didn't know Steph was that good. We didn't know Clay was that good. We didn't we didn't know about this dude Draymond. Um but but I think we knew they were gonna be a good team. Yet if you had made that bet six years ago, you could have gotten the, n- the number five overall pick out of them this year. And, and nobody trades unprotected picks anymore. Obviously, the real, the real, you know, um, kingpin, sort of, you know, uh, or sort of the the best example of what I'm talking about, or best sort of gamble would be if you could get the 2026 unprotected pick. That's the ultimate gamble. It's, it's just very hard to maneuver something like that. And I think you have to assume 
for the most part, an unprotected pick, the team is going to work their ass off not to give up the number one overall pick. I think that's just something that uh, really hurts the fans, just the reputation. That's I, I think, I mean, obviously at that point, you're probably just trying to save any face you can, but if you're giving up that type of pick, that level, um, you know what, I, I, I need to go ahead and just move on. Um, here's a few of these other guys I was looking at. I think Jay Crowder is a name they could consider. I think giving up uh, Zaire Smith for Jay Crowder would be a little, <laughs> I think that would be a mistake. Uh, to be frank, I just don't think Jay Crowder is going to be that big a piece. I, honestly, Jay Crowder for Mike Scott straight up in terms of a rotation role, that's probably about a toss-up. We'll, we'll see. Uh, um, I don't mean to besmirch Jay Crowder. Jay's been taking a ton of threes this year, and he's shooting like 29%, um, but he has been chucking them. I, I don't know. You know, he's look, if you're going on the trade market with $10 million and you're trying to get like, a shooter or a you know legit wing off the bench you're gonna get jay crowder okay you know you're gonna get like wayne ellington you ain't you ain't getting jesus okay it's just not happening um <laughs> wayne ellington that was another one of the names i had written down uh, i actually had ronnie magruder written down uh, but it looks like the, the 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 clippers actually since they got his bird rights from the uh the Miami Heat last year, I believe, they when they claimed off off waivers, uh, he would have potential bird rights, so he cannot be traded without his permission. Um, although, if he was going to Philly, maybe he would. You know, you know, actually, he probably would. Okay, a trade to Philly. I mean, he's he's probably happy with with LA, but he'd get a real role in Philly that he's not going to get with the Clippers. Uh, not unless there's so, so, some real injury problems and he just really steps up um so that actually might be a legitimate deal and he's making 4.6 so i think you probably are trying to go like mike scott for roddy mcgruder uh and maybe like a second round pick or something but it's 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 hard to say that like uh i think i don't know if jonah bolden's been injured this year if he's just not playing at all uh, I'm assuming it's the former. I haven't. Uh, sorry, it's the latter. I haven't actually researched it, so this might just be you know ignorant. But I would assume I would just throw Jonah Bolden in out of those minimum guys. I don't know. So is Zaire Smith plus Jonah Bolden worth it for Rodney Magruder? Maybe, maybe. I haven't watched enough Rodney Magruder to know uh, whether he's that sure of a shot at a at an impact rotation player. So I think if you make that trade. Uh, with Zaire Smith, you are not looking for a fringe rotation player. You're not looking for a, well, every couple of games he's a decent rotation player. You need an impact rotation player. Um, I don't know if Rodney Magruder is that. He might be, though. He might be. I think it's interesting to think about. Uh, a couple of the other um, trades I sort of, or just you know, more names I jotted down. Uh, Tony Snell. I don't know if the Pistons have been super thrilled with what he's done. I think he's been fine. You know, he's, he's sort of just been the same guy he's, he's always been. Um, he's he's small forward size, though. I think he can give you... <laughs> and this kind of is very antithetical to the uh, impact rotation statement I just made literally 30 seconds ago, but I think Tony Snell could be like a solid rotation player for you pretty much every game, and I think that's worth something. Uh, he is making $11.3 million dollars. 
uh, and you probably are having so, so you are having to give up uh, Zaire Smith plus Mike Scott plus Jonah Bolden to get him. That's a pretty heavy package to pay. Um, just a name I wanted to put out there because I think it's you know I think I think it's possible. And there's only so many guys in this salary range, uh, at least on teams that would consider a deal. Speaking of teams that would not consider a deal, uh, Norm Powell, if the Raptors season had gone differently, would be such a good candidate uh, on his $10.1 million deal. Uh, honestly, you know, so if he was playing this well and the Raptors were, you know, looking like a 45-win team, Zaire Smith might be worth making that deal. Maybe, because, I mean, he's a solid asset. That Norm Powell, I just wanted to throw out as an idea that would be awesome. It's just not going to happen, though, because the, uh, of the dynamics. This <laughs> faced off in the playoffs, obviously, last year. Uh, you may remember that from a, 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 you know, slightly memorable shot from uh, Kawhi Leonard. Um, it actually left, like, bioluminescent footprints on the court which was really interesting to see in his home return. Uh, I hope I hope at least one person got that joke, because it was bad. Um, Norm Powell, though, that'd be fun. Another team that's not going to make a trade, but I thought this was just... This is a guy that fell in that salary range and would have been such an interesting piece if this team season had gone differently. Uh, Indiana Pacers, and uh, they're, they're actually recently acquired uh, a player from the... Phoenix Suns, uh, TJ Warren making $10.8 million. He would have been awesome. That's, that's the definition of an impact rotation guy off the bench. Uh, for Philly, that would have been so good. That would have been a great, a great pickup. Uh, and you wish, you know, Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, Jonah Bullard would be enough for Indiana, but this is an Indiana team, I think, with real, uh, a real hunger now. I think they are uh, starting to dream a, a little bigger than Zaire Smith and Mike Scott at this point. So I'm a little hesitant to see them making a move. Um, another name I just wanted to sort of float out there, though, because I thought, number one, he, he fits the trade criteria. Number two, he'd just be such a fantastic fit if, if it was feasible. Um, the last two names I had down here, Al Farouk Aminu, making $9.26 million. He's been pretty awful for Orlando, shooting something like 45% true shooting, uh, and even that may have been generous. But again, he's, you know, he's a he's a power forward size guy who he obviously really struggled for Portland as a starter in the playoffs. Um, maybe, though, if he's coming in off the bench, uh, if you don't have to start him, if, if, if you can, you know, bring him in if, if he misses his first couple shots. Okay, that's fine. You know, try another another game. If you're hot, we leave you in. That's kind. It's kind of a, it's kind of a crappy way to treat somebody. Uh, it's probably not going to have him shooting well. So I, I don't know. They they maybe maybe just need to veer away from Aminu. But but I think, um, he he could help. So obviously the Sixers are are bringing Trey Burke off their bench, pretty often. So their defense isn't gonna be great off the bench, but. I mean, they've got, you know, Matisse Thibel's obviously coming off that bench, and I assume they stagger occasionally. Um, I don't know. It would be somewhat interesting to sort of stifle, uh, sort of build up that defense. If you could get Mike Scott, Jonah Bolden, and another minimum guy for Al Farouk, maybe you would do it. Uh, you don't give up an asset for him, though. Last guy, and, and <laughs> don't worry, I did not have a, 
like 20 guys written down for all these teams. A lot of them, it's the same guys you're looking at, uh, which is probably a precursor for the uh, the entire trade market, to be honest. But uh, Thomas Sadoransky, now with the Chicago Bulls, formerly of the Washington Wizards, he's making a cool $10 million this year. Um, that's right in this range. Mike's got Zaire Smith, Jonah Bolden. That's a deal I really like. That's a deal I am very intrigued by. Um, unfortunately, again, if this season had gone differently, if, if, um, and honestly, this isn't even really if this season had gone differently, I guess if Kobe White looked more like a point guard, I, I don't think that was ever really, you know, Kobe White kind of is what he is. He's a, he's a scoring guard. He's a scoring guard first and foremost. Um, so you're probably not gonna probably not gonna get Sadoransky. They kind of need him, and the Bulls are another one of these teams. I talked about it in the last podcast. Again, if you, if you haven't listened to it, you probably should have uh, probably should have listened to it before listening to an hour's worth of a the second part. But you know, you, you do you. Uh, I, I'm not here to criticize. Um, but but I I just I don't think the Bulls are a team that wants to make moves. I think they want to. There's a reason they signed Tomas Sadoransky, and there's a reason they signed Thad Young. It's because they want to build a culture. They want to uh, bring in vets. They want stability. They don't want the mutiny again. Uh, they don't want Zach Levine trash-talking Jim Boylan after games. Um, they want stability. I don't think I don't think trading Tomas Sadoransky for Mike Scott and Zaire Smith is stability. So, unfortunately, I don't see it. Um yeah, so I think for the the 76ers, I really like that. Um, I really like that Tyus Jones potential deal. I I don't know if it's feasible. I don't know how much the Grizzlies value Tyus Jones, uh, and I don't know how much the Sixers would value Tyus Jones. But I I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's right in the value range. Um, Memphis is obviously always looking to you know get any of these um, young guys on the margins, picking up. The Anthony Melton for uh, Javon Carter. Even the fact that they were getting Josh Jackson in that deal, I mean, you know, I, I think that was more of a uh, a salary thing. But taking him on, you know, I don't know. I mean, keep him in the G League. If you're a smart, stable, strong organization, he's not going to kill you. He's not going to hurt you. Um, if you know how to manage him. If you're the Suns, yeah, he's going to hurt you because you can't – because <laughs> – you have uh, structural problems within your organization. Um, I, I I think more likely though. Oh, oh, oh! I didn't even. Oh my God! What am I doing? I didn't even include the uh, the second uh, the second episode of bringing back the Sixers. Uh, the most obvious deal on the board. Trading. For Philadelphia legend, now with the New Orleans Pelicans, J.J. Redick. I mean, he, he's exactly what you want. I mean, I, I, I don't even really need to go into detail on this. I mean, J.J. Redick is exactly what the Sixers need. He's He was so vital to their team the last couple of years, and losing them, I mean, it's, it's clearly been uh, very hampering for their offense. They have not found any sort of replacement for that production. They could get J.J. Redick for Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, uh, and, you know, like Jordan Bo- Jonah Bolden. That's awesome. 
that is an impact rotation uh, piece. That's what I'm talking about, impact rotation. That, that legitimately increases your odds of winning a title by like a full percentage point. I don't know, I don't know what the number is, but that's, you know, that actually moves the needle. Um, so if they could swing that, and, and you know, I think David Griffin, he's a guy. So I think number one, JJ Redick is a, a, a vet, uh, not just a vet in terms of, oh, he's 27, he's been in the league for eight years. No, he's like 35. Like he, uh, he, he, he's a, he's an established vet. And usually those guys, uh, if they, especially if they're still good players, uh, especially if they're on good contracts and you can move them, like, uh, there's no reason not to move J.J. Redick. He's an asset on his deal. So keeping him, uh, if he is asking for a trade behind the scenes, would be very disrespectful, I would say. Uh, and as a veteran of his, of his years, but more importantly, just his stature, you know, and he's been in the playoffs every year, and he's he's sort of a cultural figure at this point. Like, he's he's that, you know, the Duke guy. He's He embodies this sort of off-the-dribble shooting um game that guys like Landry Shamit have sort of adopted. And um, I, I think if you don't really heed his requests, I, I think that sort of thing gets out. And I think his agent um, has to sort of, you know, he's probably not going to be happy with you because JJ is not going to be happy with his agent if, if he gets traded to Sacramento, for instance. So, and, and I'll talk about this more in the uh, Pelican section, but because because I think from Philly's side, yeah, in a heartbeat, you know, you, you, you do that the second uh, New Orleans says yes. New Orleans, you really going to trade J.J. Redick for Mike Scott, Jonah Bolden, Zaire Smith? Maybe. Maybe. Um, it would suck that Zion would never get the chance to play with J.J. But if J.J. wants out and he says he wants out, well, number one, you got to trade them. And number two, there's no place that makes more sense than Philly. There's no place. In terms of where would JJ want to go and what kind of trade package can you get? Because you are not you can't send them to Sacramento. You cannot do it. That will not work. Like, they, they, your franchise will not be um, held in the same esteem by certain people. You know, it's not like it's not like you're going to be blackballed from the league, but I, I think those sort of things add up. Um, I think you just try to, and I think David Griffin's the sort of guy that uh, understands that, and he's not trying to uh, not to besmirch to besmirch anybody else in this podcast. But he's no Daryl Morey. You know, he's not uh, he's not callous to these sort of uh, human 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 uh, parts. So, last thing I want to talk about with the Sixers, this is more of a you know, more of an outlandish theory. I don't think it's that outlandish, though, to be honest. I think it's, I think it's pretty reasonable. Um, and I think if, if the, um, if the cards, if, if the 76ers lose, you know, in the second round again this year, sort of like they did last year, and again, they could have won the title last year. Straight up, they could have won the title. If things had worked out, um, if, if a couple bounces had gone their way, uh, pun intended there, by the way, they could have won the title. However, if they go, you know, lose that game, lose that series, come in this year, whole new team, 
No Jimmy Butler, but you've got Josh Richardson. You've got Al Horford. That's awesome. You can't win. You can't win a title. That's fine. You can't make the finals. Oh, that's uh, you can't even win more than like one playoff series. That's concerning. That's concerning. And I, <laughs> it's it's entirely possible that Philly will lose in the second round again this year. Um, and if that is to happen, um, we will see the 76ers are going to be getting a lot more expensive, their books, um, because Ben Simmons is going to be have, having his uh, player, sorry, his rookie extension, his rookie Mac ex- extension is going to be kicking in. He'll be making $29.25 million next year, and he will be making... Uh, uh, over the course of that deal, about $170 million. In his fifth year of that deal, it'll be making $38.6 million. So, what am I saying? I'm saying they've got a really, really expensive trade chip all of a sudden. I think Ben Simmons is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these Ben Simmons haters. Ben Simmons needs to take a three, whatever. I mean, he's a coward, but that's a whole other point. Ben Simmons is a freakish talent. He's, he could possibly be a generational talent that has been... Uh, squandered is a tough word to use, but it's true. It's quite possible he's been squandered on this Philly team next to Joel Embiid. Uh, and vice versa, it's possible Joel Embiid has been squandered next to Ben Simmons. I just... I do not believe the discussion around that fit is aggressive enough. I think it is a, a terrible disastrous fit I think it is disastrous and I think that is borne out um in I think the first you know first year in the playoffs when they lost to the Celtics that that was to be expected that happens last year when they lost I you know you you can't really fault them for the series they lost but if they lose in the second round this year if if they cannot take that next step and be a real finals contenders I I think you have to consider taking a drastic step like this. Um, I think you got to look at moving Ben Simmons. Um, I don't say that in a vacuum, though. I think you're not looking to trade Ben Simmons for scraps. If you're trading Ben Simmons, you're doing it because you're getting an upgrade. That's the only way you do it. Well... It just so happens that there's an upgrade out there. A certain, and again, this is not something that could take place during this year. This is not a trade deadline thing. That's why I'm talking about it now. This is something that would uh, possibly take place next offseason. Again, after these next playoffs have occurred, so the uh, 76ers have more time to evaluate their team. Uh, same with this other team that I'm going to discuss. Um, as, as well as... You know, some of the, uh, the the CBA restrictions have lifted, so this trade would be uh, actually possible. Uh, ben Simmons only makes $8.1 million this year, so he would be uh, outgoing as $29.25, but would only, um, but, but it, it, it would, it would uh, effectively destroy any uh, possible trade you could do. Um, however, you make it to free agency, um, and all of a sudden, the Washington Wizards uh, are, are 
you know, picking up the phone about Bradley Beal. I think if the 76ers, I think even if the Wizards aren't looking to make a Bradley Beal trade, and the Philadelphia 76ers call them and ask if they want Brad, uh, sorry, if they want Ben Simmons for Brad Beal straight up, do you do it? I don't know. I think you might have to. I think both sides might have to. I think the 76ers trading Bradley Beal for Ben Simmons, oh my God. That, that, um, I think that's a huge upgrade in, in, in certain situations. I think it's a, it's a significant upgrade in most situations. Obviously his defense is going to be nothing like Ben Simmons. Uh, they, they will certainly be sacrificing that all time level of defense, but if you've got Al Horford and Joel Embiid as your front court, your defense is probably going to be pretty good. Uh, and Bradley Beal is no defensive slouch. Pair him beside Josh Richardson, they're going to be good defensively. What they're going to do, though, is going to be uh, pretty good offensively all of a sudden. It's just filling Bradley Beal in Ben Simmons' role is, I mean, it just alleviates almost every problem they have. He's, a, he's an on-ball shot creator. Unlike anyone they have on the team, it's not even close. But he's also a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Like, he's everything they could possibly ask for, all wrapped up in a little bow. I I hope, I hope Elton Brand and I hope the 76ers front office is not too caught up in um, the, the idea that Ben Simmons could go on and be an all-time player for the Wizards. Because he might. But you know what? You know what he's not going to do? He's not going to become an all-time player playing second fiddle to Joel Embiid. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen on a team built around Joel Embiid. So you know what? Just set him free. It, it, I think it's one of these things. So, so many times we don't consider... We consider things in a vacuum and we don't consider context. Okay, you traded Ben Simmons, and then he became a 12-time All-Star and won an MVP. Wow, you're so dumb. Yeah, well, maybe you got Bradley Beal back. And you know what? Maybe Bradley Beal tore his ACL twice in a row, and you never won anything. Well, you know what? That's possible. That's, that's possible with pretty much any player at any time. It's just that's how sports works, and it sucks, but that's kind of how it is. You know what else could happen, though? Brad Beal could be exactly the piece they need, and they could win three straight titles. They could win three straight titles. I, I, I legitimately believe that. I think Embiid is that level of player. And I think if you add Bradley Beal instead of Ben Simmons, that level of talent on that team is just overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Um, I mean, it's already overwhelming. The pieces just don't fit at all. It's tough. It's tough. It's a tough decision to make. I think you got to pull the trigger, though, if you're Philly. And if you're the Wizards, I love Bradley Beal. This is, bit, this is an awesome season they're having. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's a lot of fun to watch. Everyone loves offense. Um, but just the way they're doing it with the, you know, the, the way they're just exploiting the three-point shot to a degree, obviously, Houston's been doing. But it's way more fun than what Houston does. It's 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 more of an egalitarian three point chucking team, as opposed to a a Harden you know orchestrated team, which it's more of a free flowing shot chucking team, which is much more fun to see, 
than just one guy shot chucking or, or a guy orchestrating the chucking. Uh, I, 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 I just, I think if you're the Wizards, you know, Tommy Shepard's a smart guy, and I think he understands that while... Uh, so I think Bradley Beal signing that extension was a huge win for Washington. And they were very smart to do it and to not trade him and to hold on to him for now. Because you know what happens now? Now he's got like a four-year deal, uh, Brad Beal does, instead of uh, two years left on his deal. Uh, yeah, so he's going to have a player option in 2023, uh, 2022-2023. Um, that's player option for, for $37 million. So, I mean, it, it's just, it's, a, it's very valuable um, in terms of just locking him up, getting getting him, turning him into more of a long-term asset as opposed to an expiring star like Paul George was on the Pacers or like Kawhi Leonard was um, uh, for, for the Spurs. Just that one year we're dangling the superstar, trying to get whatever value we can. Anthony Davis, obviously, after he uh, demanded a, or requested a trade, um, although they got plenty of value there. I think the idea was to sort of grab Beal and actually, so I think there was a deliberate thought that, okay, this summer, Anthony Davis, you know, um, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard moving teams, all these guys, there's a lot of drama, a lot of action. You know what's not happening next year? Superstar movement. Because nobody is a free agent. Um, and nobody looks like they're in any position to demand a trade or that there are any real, uh, you know, uh, teams that would facilitate a star being traded to them. The only, the only one that makes any sense these days, I mean, unless you consider Drew Holiday a star, which I think we all know, I think, sorry, I think we all consider Bradley Beal a, a tier above just in terms of what he can provide uh, volume-wise on offense to a high-level team. Um, Brad Beal is, like, the only guy. Draymond Green is going to be on the market next year. Like, are you serious? I love Draymond, but he's a different... He's he's different than Brad Beal at this point. Actually, Draymond's not on the market because he signed that extension. Never mind. It's just Brad Beal. And I, I think that's the point I wanted to make. Tommy Shepard has now got the most uh, prized asset on the market... But not only that, but usually you would have, you know, competition at two through five. There's like no one there. There's no one there now. I, I, I think, um, I, I just think that is worth noting that Bradley Beal is in a, this is a not, this is not, this is an unsaturated market of stars. There are no stars on this trade market. That includes Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is not on the trade market right now. This summer, though, I don't know. I think both teams got to consider it long and hard. I think both teams got to be thinking about it right now. You got to be thinking about it right now, and you got to be—you got to play out every possible scenario in your head because that could. Uh, so that could be um, a trade that ends up being immensely beneficial for both sides. Uh, in fact, I would say this. I think if I think if that trade happened, both teams could eventually win a title because they made that trade. I think that's a trade worth making. 
I think that's a trade worth making. You know, I labeled this a hot take on my notes, but I think this is just smart. I think it just makes sense. Um, yeah, I think, you know, what else makes sense? Uh, going to a part three, because I've covered one of the teams I wanted to get to. I'm going to hit on ten teams, breaking down their possible uh, options, taking some notes on them. The, the ten teams that were in my... Uh, Top most likely to make a trade. We've made it through Philadelphia. Um, not to worry, though. The rest of the teams are going to be a lot easier to cover because in this podcast, I covered most of the possible trade candidates. Um, obviously, there are uh, certain ones that are a, a lot more expensive that weren't in this range for Philly. But, you know, we, we got a lot of the big ones out of the way. Um, <laughs> at the same time, though, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say there's a chance there's going to be a part four. Uh, hopefully y'all don't mind, though. Hopefully y'all enjoyed uh, hearing some more trade talk. Hopefully y'all have been enjoying the NBA season. If you enjoy the show, leave a rating, leave a review. Maybe subscribe if you want to listen to some more. Uh, and as always, take it easy. I'll see y'all later.